Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we give a voice to the women whose story is meaningful, moving, and compelling. We share their stories with the world so that in their shining, you have permission, too, to shine. Today's guest is Alicia Suter of Growth Play. Um, first of all, I can't tell you folks how much I respect this woman. I have been an admirer from afar for years. It's only in the past few months where we have actually personally connected, and I think she hung the moon. So, Alicia, welcome, and thank you for being on the show today. Oh, Susan, thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here, and I feel like I am in such great company with, uh, with you and those who you've had on your show before. So thank you. Super, super sweet of you to say. Yeah, I try to get women who are confident and no one's perfectly confident at the end of the day. We all have our little insecurities, but to share that with others instead of lashing out using that as our excuse is really powerful. And leading by example is what you do. You're a really uh, awesome woman in business who is uh, super confident, competent, and always lifting others. So that's my version of you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, sure. Um, well, professionally, I would probably identify first and foremost as a consultant and a coach, sometimes a speaker. Uh, I also think of myself as a business leader since I uh, lead our, our pro services business team at Growth Play. And then personally, I think of myself as a mom of two teenagers, which is why there's probably many more gray hairs on my head than I would love. <laughs> I also think of myself as a social justice advocate um, and just uh, hopefully a good friend to many. And I can agree that you are all that. Um, there are a couple things I just learned there about you. We'll dig more deeply into those things, uh, particularly what you do with your company and at your company and how you lead your employees. So I'd love to learn more about that. For now, I just want to say thank you for being an advocate for social justice. Mm. Um, I have been known to make quite a few um, posts and shout outs and for, for doing the right thing. Um, so thank you for being on that team. Um, mm, thank you. Yeah. 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 We need to stand up and stick out. <laughs> totally, totally. So I always say, you know, um, women are often told to sit down, but they're also told to shut up and that's not okay. And we're not going to, and I have found my voice for sure. And we'll begin, have begun to use it. And I know you've been mm -hmm. for a long time now. So quite, quite an inspiration to me and a motivation to me to stand up for what, what's right. And, and sometimes it's not a blurred line. I mean, it's clear. <laughs> what's right and what's wrong more today than ever before I think in my history on this planet but anyway so tell me a bit about your role at growth play and how do you see yourself as a leader and then we'll talk about how do you relate with your clients hmm. well um, I have uh, been with growth play or its legacy predecessor Tina for about 15 years a little over 15 years and in that work, I um, am very privileged to get to uh, work and serve with lawyers and law firms and a really wonderful team. Uh, you know, I think we, we all at Growth Play think of ourselves as sort of being in a mission to redefine the act of, of selling from this idea of, um, 
sort of a five letter word or something that is taboo to something that is noble. And so we are out to change the way people think about selling as an act of service or to an act of service. I love that. I love that. And I think that not just lawyers, but most people in professional services don't get that. And they need this messaging to understand that, you know, being a, a partner, a trusted advisor, or someone who can bring value to you in exchange for whatever you give to them, perhaps money or whatever, um, in that relationship with a client, you can actually sell and not be seen. You know, you don't walk away feeling icky. Like both parties walk That's away right. feeling good about the exchange. That's right. Yeah, I love that. I love we so need more of that, especially in professional services, um, where I think that is a struggle for professionals to understand that selling is not a dirty word. Um, That's right. Yeah. Well, in, in most professional services, folks know and went into uh, their line of, of career and, and work based on a desire to serve. And so it's just kind of extending where we think about um, where that service begins. And it be can begin before anyone ever becomes an official client. Um, right. and, and I think where it's really fun is where people start to really move the line back and think about how they serve, you know, lots of people in different walks of life, just all of the folks who are kind of hanging around and it begins to have this uh, snowball impact and effect in how it transforms someone's practice and, and how they're thought of as a trusted advisor. So yeah, it is, it is privilege work. a great point that, that people live in service to others outside the workplace all the time and they're proud of it and happy to do it and they, they enjoy it. So to translate that into the work world, why can't we consider um, living in service to our clients or prospects, like you said, before they're even a client, and knowing that people will hire you because they enjoy doing business with you, they trust you, they like you. Um, I think your model is amazing. That's really great. Um, tell us more about your role as a leader in the workplace. Hmm. Well, um, gosh, in some ways, this is probably one of the things I'm most proud of. Um, I am so proud of the talent and the caliber and the, of the team that I work alongside of day in and day out. We've got a, a team of um, five full-time employees in the professional services team, plus a, an extended, um, I like to think of it as an extended family of contractors that work with us. Um, and then in, in growth play itself, we've got a team of uh, like 30 to 40 employees throughout the country. And um, as one of four women, I might add, on our executive leadership team at growth play, I'm just proud of the fact that we have really created a space where we're dedicated to, to creating um, places for people to build a career that where they get to be the best version of who they are and frankly, where we expect them to be the best version of who they are so that they can show up every day and, and um, serve our clients well and serve each other well, but to do that with joy and passion and a sense of meaning and purpose behind their work. And so um, as a leader, I am both inspired and committed and wake up every day um, excited to do, to do that part of my job. That is so awesome. That is so awesome. That seems to me like you um, have no fear. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. No, I have plenty of that, but I also have uh, courage in the face of fear. Courage in the face <laughs> of fear. I love that. I love that. Courage in the face of fear. That's probably a much more honest way of putting it. We all have fears and insecurities, but um, you know, who's going to, you've got to do it anyway, right? That's right. That's anyway. right. 
So tell me, um, you talked about what you're proud of as a leader in your company and the fact that you are a collaborative transformative leader. What is your proudest professional accomplishment? Hmm. Well, again, similarly, I'm I'm very proud of um, being part of a team. Our prior legacy company was called Akina. And about five years ago, uh, we had built that business up and sold it to what is now today called Growth Play. And um, when I think about uh, the fact that this this work began initially as you know just a band of really committed consultants who were going to uh, join forces to do good work and to do uh, the kind of work we wanted to do and have some freedom and flexibility to do that work. And that we grew this business to a space and a place where somebody else saw the value in it. And, um, and it continues to grow to this day. I think that's part of uh, what I find so professionally um, satisfying and most proud of. That um, it's a, it, we do the kind of work for clients who continue to want to work with us. Um, that's a privilege and an honor. And then to be able to do that work with people who will come to work and work alongside us every day who want to be doing this work. Um, That's awesome. Things that, things that probably make me the most proud. That's awesome. So I think um, from an outsider's perspective that that spills over into your work with clients. I think that um, you live in by example, like, you know what I'm saying? So what does it look like to be a transformative leader? Okay. So we look at Alicia and we see how Mm -hmm. her team and, you know, there's nothing better than a strong, confident, fierce woman, but then you have uh, lifted others and on your team, you have an army of them. So I love to see that, <laughs> you know, you know, it's true. You're, you're breaking up all the, the biases and, and all the stereotypes and the misperceptions about women in leadership positions. Um, we are not weak just because we seek input from others. We are not seeking validation or indecisive or unable to make, um, you know, a decision on the fly. Just because we ask our team, what do you feel about this? What do you think about this? How does this, you know, make, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I love that. That's great. So I think that does show uh, to your clients what a good leader you are. Um, And that's an interesting point, Susan. And I think it's been one of the funnest things for me as a leader has been creating space where women, and I, I, I love what you just said, a small army of women, because we do have many, many women uh, in our company who are, who are in leadership roles and who are ascending to leadership. And I think it's been really, um, again, so, so much professional fun to create a platform where women get to have their, a place to exercise their authentic voice. And so it doesn't look like uh, women trying to emulate how they have seen men lead. Um, there are many things about how you know we lead that that look similar to how men lead, and there are many things that are different. But creating a space where women get to authentically have a place to exercise their voice um, has been, again, just s- such a thing that tickles me and delights me every single day. I love that. So now you know you've tapped into my heartbeat, my core, my. <laughs> Which is why we like each other. (laughs) Absolutely. And so I have to say, I mean, sometimes this comes up on my podcast. Okay. A lot of times. Okay. Most times, maybe every time, um, women who are insecure and that insecurity overtakes them rather than they're managing that dark side. 
it really, you know, mean girls, there's no, there's no need for that. There's no place for that. So I, I even reach out to them and say, you know, who has hurt you and how can we help you grow confident, competent, strong, um, assured. So in my opinion, there's nothing better than a confident, self-confident woman, um, except for maybe, like you said, an army of them. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. Well, who inspired you? Like maybe who was your mentor? Hmm. Well, I would certainly be remiss if I didn't uh, acknowledge that I've been um, in business for 13 years with an amazingly great role model and mentor named Deborah Nupp, who I know has been a mentor and role model to many um, women and men. Um, but she provides me inspiration and support and courage and conviction every day. So thank you, Deb Nupp. Love you very much. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I have, I think, I'm, you know, I'm an avid reader. And so when I think about some of the other uh, inspirational mentors, I think of some of the authors who I have been able to take a little pocket of their insight or wisdom or experience and um, fold that into my own over time. And there's just so many, right? So, um, gosh, some of my favorites, um, Adam Grant and Daniel Pink and Brene Brown and um, people as varied as um, Anne Lamott, who fills me sort of spiritually and soulfully, and Tara Moore, who I read and I was inspired to play even bigger uh, than I play. And um, gosh, uh, Dave Evans, who wrote a book about designing your life and thinking about kind of the imp the impact and the influence you want to have and how you live into that in all facets of your life. So there are lots of, I think, business mentors that I've uh, gleaned from either from afar or up close in real life. And I'm, I'm a big fan of that you don't need to have, uh, you know, formal mentors. Um, right. But we need lots and lots of places where we grab uh, inspiration and we can grab a role model and we can grab a little perspective. So I've got lots of people who have who've certainly mentored me and helped me become the person I am today all over the world. Well, I want to say thank you to every one of them because you're a rock star, awesome human being, totally authentic, um, courageous. You've got grit. You've got grace. I mean, it's really my, I, I might even say I look to you as an inspiration. So about Deb, let me ask you about Deb. So was she, is she someone who is with Akina? Yes. In fact, okay. she was one of the founding partners and, um, I would not be where I am today if she had not invited me and uh, given me a tap on the shoulder in my awesome. career. I have to say then, I think that I'm, I have seen her present years ago when I was um, in a different position. I was in-house at law firms and I was the, you know, sponge soaking it all in, learning from others. I think I saw her present and she was amazing. And I, yes. yeah, I'm the nerdy girl that sits up front and brings my business card and gets her business card and follows up later. And yeah, so I can totally, I, I remember now, I can totally see that she would be an inspiration or a mentor or both to you. Um, as far as the books you've read, um, I just tiny, tiny, short, quick story. I have um, a couple of tweets where Adam Knapp, I mean, Adam Grant has re-tweeted um, <gasps> tweet. <laughs> oh, goodness. That is amazing. I, I, I love him. I love him. So um, you're clearly a giver. I'm clearly a giver. There are uh, matchers out there that we can cope with, handle, deal with, whatever. Um, but the takers, I, 
I have to really tune into my intuition and really run far and fast the other way. But he has been wonderful. Like I read all his books, I follow all his tweets, you know, Instagram, all over social media. So he's amazing. One last quick story. Um, I called Brene Brown's office before she was, you know, who she is today. She was still amazing. I mean, I'd, yeah. I'd seen her TED talk on vulnerability and that really struck me personally because yeah. I've always been authentic. In fact, people, and, and I think you're this way too. People sometimes say you should, you know, filter yourself or caution against sharing, you know, personal stuff. I, you know, and I say, I bring my whole self to life. You know, mm-hmm. I am who I am and, you know, nothing inappropriate, but certainly she gave me permission to be authentic and be vulnerable. So I called her office to see if she would come speak for one oh. of my um, annual events. And they were just turning the corner. She had just finished the Netflix special, but no one knew about it yet. And basically the woman on the phone after, you know, hearing me out and giving me great advice and just being so Bre- Brene Brown-ish said to me, um, you know, I'm sorry, but, you know, she's booked for the next like 12 years. <laughs> I felt like uh, she basically said, you're really cute kid, but no. Nah. <laughs> but I'm sure she... She appreciated the reach out. Yeah. Totally. Totally. And I'm the kind of woman that's going to, as my business grows and I, as I get, you know, one of, I'll try again and I'll try again. Um, you bet. So, yeah. I well, isn't that funny though, how amazingly um, popular and in demand she has become. And I, I, again, I just attribute it to the world is really thirsty for that permission to be vulnerable and authentic and um, to let people in. And I think that's a real, I mean, her, her popularity, I think, is a testament to the world. Needs totally. more permission for those kinds of things. Totally. And I think yeah. that, um, you know, I, I, I have studied Buddhism. I'm very, you know, you know, think good thoughts, do good deeds, cause no harm. And I think when you speak of yourself in a way of um, truth, you get permission to others to be honest and to be true to themselves and to, you know, um, face their fears and, you know, you're not alone. Like this podcast, for example, I always open with in your shining, we give permission to others to shine. And Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. the more we have these real conversations, um, I think the more others will be confident enough to either leave their place where they can't be themselves and find, you know, a place where they can or be comfortable becoming themselves and owning their story and bringing their whole self to work and home, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Totally, totally about that. The um, third author that you mentioned, um, was it the woman who wrote Educated? Um, no, but that, that was a, a powerful book as well. Um, I, uh, it might've been, you might mention Anne Lamott, who's, um, uh, hysterical, um, writer on sort of spirituality and faith, um, who I absolutely adore. I've never met, met her, but she lives in San Diego. And then I mentioned Tara Moore, who, um, wrote a book called Ter- Plain, B- Plain Big, um, oh, that's which, what, that's it. That's the one. Yeah. I and that's again a, a book focused on uh, helping women really step into uh, the fullness of who they are and what they bring to the table and to the to the world, and um, not holding back. Um, you are a very that inspiring woman. book. 
I think you're that woman. So oh. <laughs> I know you're blushing because you're super, super humble. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, you lead by example. Once again, that's really all I can say. Um, you motivate and inspire others to do as well or better than you have done. So I think that's incredible. You know, I stalk you um, on social media. Well, same. <laughs> yeah, you have the best LinkedIn shares. Um, everything is it's focused on something much more meaningful than just money because the money will come. But I think oh, your yeah. shares are focused on things that we um, reflect on and look inside and, you know, self-actualize through reading some of the books that you've read and mentioned today and some of the shares that you put on LinkedIn. Folks, if you don't follow Alicia on LinkedIn, you should. Um, and growth play as well. They do very good work. I don't want to forget to mention the good work that your company does, but this podcast is about you and you are a wonder woman in business. You know that I um, believe that women should lift each other. What else? I know that just by living by example and the, the team of women that you work with, but what else do you think people listening can do to support other women? Right. Yes. Great question. You know, I, I'm a big, so as a consultant, I name and frame everything. So um, forgive the use of alliteration here, but I think there are four, four really big ways that we can amplify women and, as well as anyone else that we are trying to create space and room for. Um, right. And those are through the four C's, what I call, think of as the four C's. So how we caucus, how we use our cash, how we engage in conversation and how we uh, utilize our calendar. So caucusing meaning how we vote, right? So um, who are we supporting locally on our state level, on our uh, national level that are uh, advancing policies that create space for women to fully bring themselves uh, into contribution to others? I think that's so critically important. Probably um, no time, at least in my lifetime, has that been more important than, than now, than the present. So pay attention to who is uh, running and what they stand for. And please, 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 no matter what your beliefs, vote. Uh, yeah. I think how we spend our money uh, and who we're supporting speaks very loudly. Um, recently, I learned of a, a, a network called DOE, D-O-U-G-H who is curating for a small membership fee. They will curate women-owned businesses and products by women entrepreneurs. So that saves you some time and money to go find uh, you know, women that you can support with your cash. I think our conversation or how we use our words, who we're talking to, how we're talking about them is a critical uh, tool that we have, uh, all of us every single day, you know, in almost every single moment. And then um, obviously our calendar, right? So who are we spending time with? And um, what are we doing with that time that supports the causes and the people that are important to us? I think all four of those things are just amazing tools that we all have at our disposal um, that we really need to think about is how we wield our impact um, and hopefully how we wield our impact for the greater good. I love that. So I'm blown away. Um, yeah, I've never been speechless before, but my jaw is dropped. That <laughs> the four C's, that's very powerful. I don't know if you know how politically involved I am um, yes. and have been since the day I was born. My family's been, you know, in politics, both elected and appointed. 
all my life on one side of the aisle and I married a man who was elected and appointed all of his life on the other side of the aisle. Uh, actually, that's not true. He was a D then an R and elected as an R and lived as an R for many years. I love that. Well, I mean, talk about some really great pillow talk. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if only we could keep it in the bedroom, but no, we were, we were fun at parties. But, <laughs> But I will say that the, the climate and the landscape has gotten so, uh, you know, there are landmines everywhere. You can't even, mm -hmm. you know, uh, people attack people rather than policy. Um, I recently had to post something on my Facebook page about not going there with attacking people. And, and you know, someone through the night had posted all this stuff. Um, and, you know, I don't hold back. I'm very respectful, but I'm very you know, clear and, and, you know, make my message clear that this is not to be tolerated. So it was a powerful message, but it, it let people know that, you know, I, I am, my husband is now an independent. I was an independent, but just recently switched back to the democratic party. Um, because I just, I feel like it's, you know, the nation's taking a turn that I, I don't, I don't like, I'm going to try to make it change course. So like you, I'm outspoken. I, these, these four C's are super powerful. I would love to introduce you to a couple of women who are, um, driving that bus, like totally creating change. Um, you know, they're out here in California, but they have contacts all across the country and they're, they're, you know, in organizations like, you know, women who lead or she should run or, you know, very powerful people across the country. And I think that you'd be um, in good company and they would welcome you as a voice in their um, cause. Would love that. Yeah. You know, you know that um, those connections and in, in we, I think we just, we kind of find the people who, uh, whose values and, and perspectives are, are similar to ours. So I would, I'd love that. Thanks, Susan. Right. Sure. And, and, you know, a lot of my friends are, um, it, it's not about party platform anymore. It's right. It's about right. critical thinking versus group thinking. A lot of my friends are Republicans who miss the days of fiscal conservatism being any part of the platform, which I think is it's missing now, but we won't, we won't get into that on this podcast, but I just am excited <laughs> about your four C's and want to share your message and you with um, my network for sure. And I think that's what we do. We, you know, connect women, we lift each other up. And by the way, you made a comment I wanted to um, remark on. Yes, empowered women do empower both women and men. So it's not like we need to kick men to the curb. I think we're creating an equal but opposite problem if we do that. Um, my husband, for example, is a huge ally and I couldn't do what I do without his support and help and believing in the mission. It's not just lip service or, you know, here's a check, honey. It's none of that. I, I you know, I pay for this business. I, you know, invest in this business. It's my money. Um, but he still shows up in every way. Like he, he yes, understands yes. the issues. I mean, the man has three daughters from a prior marriage. He's got five sisters. He, you know, he knows what we're going through and he wants the world to be a more equitable place for women and men. So moving on, all this sounds great. I know all the good stuff. I think I know all the good stuff about you. There's probably tons more to learn. 
Um, but tell me what is the bad stuff? What was maybe <laughs> a challenge or a setback or something you overcame? Because that too, you know, we learned from that as well. Oh, goodness. I'm sure there's enough to fill many podcasts. But, um, you know, the one I, I, I will um, share here it has probably been the most um, impactful. It was the moment of uh, shift that led to the rest of how I spent the last 20 years of my career. And um, so I kind of fell into, like many um, legal marketers, legal business developers, I fell into working in law firms and um, had come out of business school knowing that um, I often say I was an accidental, I accidentally got into business school and I accidentally figured out what I wanted to do next. I knew that I didn't want to do anything that um, was sort of the, po the traditional post MBA um, that just felt too predictable and um, not, uh, not, not interesting to me personally. And so um, when I was trying to figure out what would come next, one of the things that popped up was a, an opportunity to work with a law firm and helping them think about their marketing and business development. And at the time, um, that was a relatively novel and sort of entrepreneurial function um, in, in an organization or a profession that hadn't really been thinking about marketing. So that was what attracted me. And I came out of business school really thinking, um, I was so excited to put, you know, to use what I had spent the last uh, several years studying and learning and um, quickly got into a law firm environment and realized that the, the sophistication of what I was doing was nothing like what I had thought I would do, you know, leaving business school. And um, lawyers um, thought people with MBAs were, you know, not very smart. And if you didn't have JD behind your name, um, you didn't really count. And so... I spent the first several years um, really thinking, boy, I don't like law firms and I really don't think I like lawyers <laughs> very much. And I certainly didn't like the cultures of the firms um, that I was uh, observing because I felt it was um, sort of built around things that I, that, that went against um, what I believed create high performance for, for all people. And um, thought about leaving the profession, um, but there was a moment where, and again, this was um, in large part due to my business partner and inspiration and mentor who we've mentioned before, Deborah Knapp, who in talking a lot about what was going to come next, um, began to help me think about how I could re-envision um, the, the time I had spent working with lawyers and law firms already and what I really felt committed and called to doing. And um, I began to see the problems of law firm culture as an opportunity to do something different. And um, really thought about how if we use the, the act of business development or sales as an opportunity to work with people to transform how they see themselves, and then yes. therefore how the world sees lawyers, um, wouldn't that be amazing the kind of impact or change you could have uh, for the world at large through the profession of law when people begin to experience themselves differently and begin to create conditions in which people think, um, wow, lawyers are generous and um, service-minded and bring amazing ideas and, and strengths and skill sets. And these are the kinds of people I want more of in my life. Um, and so that was the beginning of uh, really thinking about a challenge and a setback, thinking I had made a mistake walking into a law firm and um, building a, a space where I, I am committed to 
uh, you know, spending my career and creating a, a space for others to build their careers. Um, so that, that is, that is very pivotal. I'm sitting here like biting my knuckles because I know the lawyers you're talking about. <laughs> In other words, every lawyer across the nation. No, I'm just <laughs> I have had the same experience and have been, you know, like deflated. Um, especially since my personality is very enthusiastic and we can do this and idealistic and let's conquer the world. And they're very, let's find out everything that's wrong with Susan's idea before we even begin to imagine what success looks like. And so <laughs> I felt what you're saying. Um, I have been in that position. Um, now you're making me think maybe there are some lawyers out there, my husband being one who is, you know, he is very um, creative and good with people and asks a lot of questions. He leads uh, not in a dictatorial fashion, but in a transformative fashion. So what I now want to do is meet the lawyers that you have worked with so that I can change my view of lawyers. <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's great. Well, and you know, Susan, I think the other thing is, is that almost Almost all of the lawyers I've uh, had the benefit and privilege of working with, um, you know, they're really good people. It's the it's the conditions, right? It's the culture. It's the way the profession has um, evolved over time that create these constraints or circumstances that don't allow people to be the best versions of who they are. And so, um, again, if we want to, if we really want to transform the practice of law. Um, I, I believe there are lots of ways to do it, um, but one of the ways I'm committed to doing it is one lawyer at a time. Awesome. Awesome. And I always use that phrase, one mind at a time. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, that changing corporate culture is a myth. No one can do that. No one can change corporate culture, but you can change individual behavior. So one mind at a time or one lawyer at a time. That's how it's done. So that's amazing that you said that. I probably at some point in the conversation would have brought that up. So it means much more that you brought it up first. Um, I believe changing thoughts, attitudes, and beliefs, um, you can do, it's difficult, but you can do. And then individuals change their own behaviors. And that's how you see a new corporate culture emerge is one at a time. Um, I think the billable hour is a huge problem, but that could, again, that's another podcast for another day. Um, but I know <laughs> a, lot, a lot of wonderful people who it's like Jekyll and Hyde because they are, you know, even my husband, for example, when he'd go on vacation, he would resent the time away and not enjoy it because all he was thinking about was how much catching up he'll have to do when he's back in his law office. So, yeah, I think the industry needs to think about what the business of law looks like in contrast to what a practice of law looks like. And you're the person to help those lawyers one at a time cross over, make that transition. You know, you create the bridge from a practice of law to a business of law. Um, and, and bravo to you for being courageous enough to stick with it. Um, after 18 years, I was like, I'm done. I'm done. I can't. <laughs> I like, yeah. Yeah, I, I know we've all had those moments of frustration and, and right, who doesn't in some ways. Right. Um, uh, so, the, it, and the opportunity, I think, to, to really um, revisualize the impact. Again, I think those are big words for me. I, I say it a lot, but the impact and influence that you want to have on the world and, and to think about how you do that 
know, how can you review or re-envision the circumstances you're in to do more of what you really want? Um, that to me is where I have uh, agency and power. Yes. Yes. I love the word agency. So I have to say in gender-based communications, we usually assign the word agency or agential behavior or communications to men um, and, and not assign it to them, but they exhibit it more often in studies than women do. And so I love that you have, um, you live by example, uh, you know, being an agent of change and, and the tool or the vehicle, I should say, or the mechanism through which lawyers can become their highest and best selves. I had one lawyer tell me one time that she's so overwhelmed and overworked that she never ever wanted to bring in more business. She can barely um, have dinner with her children or take a, a long warm bath, a hot bath. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, first of all, go bathe. And uh, <laughs> all, let's work on, I think that's a, um, a, an, a problem, you know, that's beyond her you know, if she's getting assigned that much work and she said, so, so some of these things that you work on are bigger than the lawyer themselves. And so to help them recognize you can't control this, let's work on what you can is mm -hmm. amazing. That's really great. You're sort of a little lifesaver to those people we call lawyers. So yeah, <laughs> awesome, awesome stuff. Well, tell us something that no one can read about on the internet or on your website or in your bio. Tell us something surprising about you. Mm. Well, uh, I have, um, I've long said, so this may not be as surprising, as surprising as I think it is, but um, I, one of the things that probably people don't expect about me is to know that I have spent time in Texas State Prison, and I did that, um, not by breaking the law, but by participating <laughs> in a program. I know, it just sounds good, right? <laughs> awesome. Tell me about it. But um, I have been a very big avid fan and supporter of a program called Prison Entrepreneurship Program. And if you ever want to be some part of something that makes you feel like you are transforming the world or part of a transformative um, experience, this is where you should go. So uh, PEP.org is their website. And I was at a leadership conference and saw the founder of the organization speak. And it is a program that is bringing a transformational process to uh, the men and women in the state of Texas and their prison system, um, giving them uh, opportunities to have formalized business school level um, skills and education, wow. as well as creating the conditions where people really begin to have opportunities to rebuild their character. And I think what has been most fun about being part of that program and be a, being a supporter is that you get to see firsthand sort of what the possibility of transformation um, and the potential of that when people show you that they believe in you so that you can start to see that you can believe in yourself. And when that yeah. sort of chain reaction happens, um, the again, the human potential that gets unlocked is amazing. And, this organization um, has the results to really back themselves up. I mean, it's, it's uh, crazy. They've got, I think, more than 350 legitimate business, businesses that have been started, including um, at least I know of five that are you know, bringing in over a million dollars in revenue annually. They have a 7.5% recidivism rate compared to a national average of uh, a little bit more than 50%. Yeah. 
Um, and every one of their graduates of this program are employed within 60 days of release. Wow. Easy. Wow. So anyway, I, I have gone, I've been a business plan advisor, which is how I started. And then I and then I eventually went back and I taught. And now, uh, because of my travel schedule, I don't get to prison as often as I'd like to, but um, certainly support the program uh, in other ways. You know, can you see the beauty in what you do where, regardless of role, be it the attorney who put the prisoner there or the prisoner who's in prison, you are helping them to find their highest and best selves, love themselves, respect themselves enough to share that person with the world. And when we do that, we attract others who appreciate that kind of person. Um, again, self-actualization and you're uh, shepherding that, if you will. That's amazing. I did not know that about you. Um, I kind of was, you know, thinking she's going to say something I know. And it's, there's so many cool things about Alicia that when she says this, it'll be a surprise to the listeners, but not to me, but oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that totally got me. Um, that is awesome. That is so beautiful. You are an amazing, remarkable woman. You are an amazing, remarkable person. You know, no gender needed. I mean, just all around a good individual. Um, I, I just want to share you with the Thank world. Um, I know most people in the legal field or arena know you, but I have listeners in other uh, arenas, mostly professional services. Tell people how they can reach you if they want to reach out directly. Sure. Uh, my email is a suitor, a s u t o r at growthplay.com. And you can also find me via LinkedIn or through our website, growthplay.com. Uh, there's a link to my bio, my email uh, there as well. And folks, she will take your call. She will return your call. She is sincere, engaged, authentic. Uh, one last question before we say our goodbyes. I love Growth Play, the name. Why Growth Play? Uh, everything we do is focused on helping people grow, either at an organizational, institutional level, whether it's growing revenues or growing uh you know, growing uh, the platform for a larger team, as well as achieving personal growth. I think that's sort of when you stop growing um, and you don't embrace a growth mentality, life starts to get really not fun. <laughs> right. And so we are very much committed to the idea of growth. And of course, I love the idea of play, right? So it doesn't have to always be such a chore. It can be fun and it can be joyful, um, even when it's hard. So, um, I love the name. It's amazing. It tells a story, growth play. You know, we, we make things memorable when we play. You know, play is very memorable and it, and it becomes something we want to pull up again and again in our brains when we remember how we learn to do this best practice by having fun learning it uh, and then having fun doing it. So I love the name growth play. That's super powerful. Um, Alicia, I love you. You're amazing. Thank you for thank being you, here. same Susan. <laughs> thank you for having me. All righty. Well, we'll put together a blog, folks, and we'll insert this podcast into that blog. I'll put it on my website and then share it with my fifteen thousand social media followers, and I'll send it to you, Alicia, so that you can share it with your network. Um, and I'll I'll write your contact info in there and how people can connect with you as well. Thanks. All right. Have a good day, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye.